1: Welcome to PodsQB, I'm Josh Smith.
0: And I'm Mike Graham.
1: Mike, uh, back at it really quickly uh, compared to the last time we took a break. We're, we're kind of getting back in the groove of things because there's obviously a lot of news to talk about. But the the first thing we got to talk about off the hop here, ha- you've seen Back to the Future, right?
0: Oh yes, many times. <laughs> uh, I used to own the second one on VHS when I was a kid. Same so. here! Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I, how people feel about the second one. I've heard that you know it's not the best of the Back to the Futures, but uh, I enjoyed it. So
1: it's the one where they actually go to the future, and that's kind of what you wanted to see out of the first one.
0: Right, the uh, the uh, almanac, the sports almanac. Oh, uh, that how, I how great like would it have been
1: to get your hands on that?
0: Oh my God, I want one right now. You know, how, 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 how rich would we have been? Sports almanac. I mean we'd be
1: we'd be depressed cuz we'd look through it and go the Ticats Cats don't win a great cup. Oh god damn. It. <laughs> right. But we'd be like yeah, but oh we but we make
0: a lot of money along the way. It's like so. oh the
1: like oh, off off two one game in particular, the Giants beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl of the year the Patriots went 16 and 0. The I would have bet every single dime I had on the Giants and we we you know what we would own the Ticats Cats right now. That's that's how much money we would have made on that game.
0: Yeah, I, It's funny to think uh, like I wasn't uh, into sports gambling back then, but uh, I wonder what the odds were on that day.
1: Well, if I recall correctly, it was the largest single day loss that Vegas ever took Uh-oh. on a, on a single game because people put money on the because it was such a long shot. So people are like, yeah. "Oh shit, I'll plop down a hundred bucks on the uh-huh. Giants to to cover or for the Giants on the money line because it was It's like it was in the like. I want to say like tens of millions of dollars that they lost that it was insane because no one's going to bet on the heavily favored Patriots. That's not where the, the money is.
0: Yep, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you you bet like 500 bucks and make, you know, 510 bucks or 10 bucks back or something. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like that. It's so, not worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But the reason I bring it up is as I'm, as I'm sure you read, I read it too, even though I, I work for three down, but I read John Hodges, uh, insider talk every Wednesday morning, and I bring it back to the future because a couple of weeks back, my name popped up in this, it, it, some anonymous CFL executive, uh, didn't, it was obviously it was, I, I took it as fun. Like I laughed, but it was something along the lines of the next time Josh Smith does one of his movie pieces, he could, he should compare the Tie cats to back to the future because they haven't won shit in years. And I saw it and I, I was I was, uh, I was was just about to start work and I, I'm scrolling through and I'm reading it and I popped, I popped huge. I thought it was one of the funniest things because all I heard for all the years that I did, I haven't, I don't do a lot of them anymore because like once you kind of, you know, mine that well, there's not really a lot of places to go back to, but uh, I, did, I did those for so long and I always had fun with them, but I kept being told by people who hated them that like these are stupid and no one cares and yada, yada, yada. And then years later to kind of get the, uh, the recognition that even people in CFL teams read these like fun nonsense articles. It, it just tickled me so much. And you texted me that day. Like, did you read it? Not knowing that I had already sent out a tweet about it. What did you think when mm-hmm. you saw it? Did you laugh as well? Cause I thought it was hilarious.
0: Yeah. I laughed pretty hard. I did not expect to see, uh, your name in one of the quotes. But, no, me
1: neither. Uh, that's what I thought. I was like, who, "Is there a Josh Smith that plays for a team? Is he talking about the basketball player?" Like that's the initial thing that, that came to my house. Like it can't be me.
0: <laughs> yeah, those uh, those executives are a little sassy with some of their quotes. They had the one about you, and then uh, you know there was a couple more that kind of raised my eyebrows. Uh, like uh, I think the one was QB should only be making three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that was weird. It's like that's a little arrogant, bud. Like, I know that the XFL is coming in twenty twenty two, and we don't know what it's going to look like or how much they're going to pay. But uh, you know, maybe a, a little bit of humility or uh, you know, not so much arrogance would go a long way in that regard.
1: I'm not going to say that that was Marcel Desjardins that said that, but doesn't that sound like that was Marcel <laughs> Desjardins that said that? It it,
0: it did. I mean, <laughs> obviously, he doesn't like to pay his quarterbacks, so. I would not be surprised if it was uh, MD.
1: <laughs> Again, I Hodge keeps these sources anonymous. I don't know, but I read that too, and I was like, "That sounds like a Marcel Desjardins thing to say." Um, I did. I did take one issue with the quote. I don't think Back to the Future is a good a good uh, movie to compare to the Tie Cats. Uh, it's too happy. Tie, tie, it ends on a happy note. Everything wraps up nicely. Even if you look at the trilogy as a whole, it ends. It ends with. With, again, spoiler alert for a movie that's thirty plus years old. It ends with Marty going back, and and Doc finds his family, and everyone goes to where they're supposed to be, and and it makes you happy at the end. That's not that's not Tyke's football. Tyke's football is either misery, abject mediocrity, <laughs> misery. <laughs> <laughs> it's either it's either mediocrity mixed with a little bit of happiness, or like last like the I was gonna say last year, but last season where it was just awesome until the very end. So if there's like a time travel movie that I think encapsulates tie cats fandom more than anything else. I think it's Avengers Endgame, where you, again, I'm going to spoil a movie. That's a couple of years old now. So I'm sorry about that. If you haven't seen it, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this show and as much as I love comic book movies, I haven't seen Avengers. That's kind of weird, but it's, it's, it's the culmination of this massive, just fantastic series of films that if you love them, you got invested in. And then it ends sort of happy because it's like, okay, the good guys win. But there's so much sacrifice, like Iron Man dies at the end of Avengers End Game, and that's sad. And that's that to me is like sort of the tie cats, in in a nutshell. They 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 will get to the end of the road, and you're you're hopeful. It's like oh, it's going to end great, and then there's this one little thing that messes it up, and you're just like, all right, it was it was good, but man, I'm still sad about this one little thing. So I think Avengers End Game is a much more apt comparison mm. for the tie cats than than Back to the Future.
0: Well, that's fair. That's fair. I've never seen the. Any of those movies, but uh, you've never seen any of
1: you've never seen any of the Marvel movies.
0: Yeah, you know that's
1: right. You don't really like comic books.
0: No, I don't know. It's just you guys have fun with them. It's not my thing. But uh, what wrong with Misery? I didn't even realize that that yeah that was a movie too. Misery with uh... oh
1: yeah, it was with Kathy Bates. (laughs) yeah that was not so, that was that know, was there was nothing good about that there was nothing fun about no, that
0: movie that's more tight football you know you get <laughs> abducted and then you know some old lady breaks your legs and, <laughs>
1: and that doesn't you let know. you leave the house you barely
0: escape at the end but uh <laughs> you know you escape alive but you're mortally wounded yeah. as well
1: <laughs> oh okay so you say misery i say avengers endgame yep. uh what we both are saying though is back to the future Probably not Probably not a good one to compare to the the cats. So uh, to that anonymous CFL executive, no offense meant, but leave the movie comparisons to the professionals, all right? Um, let's move on to some actual news, Mike. It's very rare that you and I get to pat ourselves on the back when it comes to making predictions, but on the last episode, we kind of ended off talking about what guys do we think or, or want to see re next? And you nailed down the offensive linemen, <clears throat> pardon me, I nailed down Simone Lawrence, and lo and behold, by the time we sit down to record, what do we see? Chris Van Zyl, Brandon Revenberg, Darius Sirocco, and Simone Lawrence all back in black and gold with a little Jigary Davis thrown on top. It was a really good past couple, like about 10, 10 or so days for Cats fans, seeing all these big-name guys get their uh, names on new contracts for the 2021 season, was it not?
0: Absolutely, and uh, you know me, I'm a big offensive line guy, and I love seeing all these, these guys come back. You know, um, you know, we talked about it in the last episode with Van Zyl, but now you bring back Sirocco and Revenberg. It's just, uh, they're, they're, I think uh, whoever's back, um, you know, whoever's the quarterback next year, uh, whether it be Dane Evans or Jeremiah Mazzoli, I think that they will be protected very well because, you know, they're bringing back some great guys, some, some young guys that are uh, already, like, all stars in this league. If they weren't an all star last year, they're going to be an all star coming up in this upcoming season or or for the years to come. So I'm I'm stoked about the offensive line.
1: Well, Van Zyl is the reigning most outstanding offensive lineman. Maybe his generation's best Canadian offensive lineman. I don't want to say best ever because that's it's it's so hard to. I'm I'm kind of tired of the like the goat talk honestly because Me it's too. so hard yeah. to compare players across different eras I know offensive line play doesn't really change all that much but I mean to compare guys from the 80s to the 90s to, to now it's it, to me it's it's too difficult but I, I think it's fair to say that if he's not the best of his era he's he's in the conversation as the best Canadian lineman of his era and you got Brandon Revenberg who for my money is a future most outstanding offensive lineman award winner he has all the tools needed to, to win that award he's been a stud since the second he stepped in the line, as a, as a rookie, like halfway through his rookie season, he became the starter and made a guy like Peter Diakowski, who was a pretty darn good offensive lineman, expendable. And then you have Darius Sirocco, who I was, I, I think I even said in the last episode, I thought that he, out of all the guys, out of all the offensive linemen, he was the one that I was the least confident would come back i know he's a burlington guy and that probably played into it but i know he had the calgary ties going out there to play you sports football with the dino so i thought maybe there could be some lure in him going back to calgary but him coming back he's a guy started day one his rookie season you do not see that especially amongst canadian draft picks guys in the starting lineup day one and have you really noticed like i don't think he's he's as polished or as well known as guys like van Zyl and revenberg he's a damn good offensive lineman, and the Ticats have a darn good offensive line. You look at it now, and it's those three guys, I think, even more than Mike Filer, as much as I love Mike Filer, I think these were the three most important offensive linemen to get back, and they got all three of them for this upcoming season. The, the offensive line went from the last time we recorded to, oh boy, what are we going to do, to what they were the last time we saw them play, which was maybe the best offensive line in the league.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There, <clears throat> you know, you talk about a guy like Revenberg, and the thing that stands out to me is just his athleticism as an offensive lineman. Um, you know, this just isn't just a big, a big dude who can, uh, you know, sit back and pass protect. He's gonna get out there, like when, on the running plays. You see him running downfield, making blocks, like making multiple blocks uh, for the running backs. So Revenberg is like up there as like the most exciting for me. That's coming back on the offensive line. Um, Soracco, like you said, you know he started since he he was a rookie, and he he hasn't been injured. He started every single game. So the durability with uh, with Revenberg and Soracco are uh, are 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 good good things for this team because you know going down. Um, if we have the guys behind him, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to fill those shoes. So for those guys to stay healthy um, all those games, it's it's a big plus.
1: All right, so we've patted you on the back. Now let's pat me on the back. Simone Lawrence is back. I didn't think there was any chance he was going somewhere else. And he spoke to Steve Milton of the Spec, and he said that he wants to win a championship and that winning it anywhere but Hamilton would have would have been a stain, I think was the exact quote. Simone Lawrence, I think, especially if he wins a great cup, will go down as one of the 10 greatest high-cats players of all time. Him and Brandon Banks define this era, the Tim Hortons field era, if you will of Tiger Cats football is there a more beloved football player for the Ticats right now than Simone Lawrence I don't think there is and I think if he was to if this team ever does truly finally win the championship guys like him and Banks will be they will ascend to that Mosca Garney, Henley Joe Montford that that legend stat they're already great players their names will be on the wall of honor that that is going to happen whether they win a great cup or not but if they were able to win a championship they get into that pantheon of guys that 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 will be talked about after you and i are long gone like they will ascend to that Mm -hmm. godlike status in of, of hamilton football so seeing him back to me wasn't a surprise i figured he would come back but it didn't make me any less happy to see him back cause he really played well. Like, obviously he was the East division's most outstanding defensive player. And I believe he led the league in tackles. Like he, he maybe had his best season a year ago, uh, which is crazy to think that he's had some really good years with a tie So I, I was pretty pumped to see him come back. What do you think?
0: Well, I was very happy. And I, I totally agree with you with some of the uh, all time tie cats on this team. I, I, Put out a tweet a couple weeks ago about you know there's some there's some all-time tie cats on this team and if they're able to bring back a championship then they'll just be uh, more so you know you got Banks and Lawrence and I put I throw Delvin Bro in there as yeah, one of the yeah, best for sure. you know, DBs that we've ever had um, but Simone, coming back you're right he's he's one of the fan favorites um, we love him everybody else hates him. Uh, that's TICAT cat football right there, you know, <laughs> someone, you know, kind of compared him to Moscow and I was a little bit like, eh, I don't know about that, but the more I think about it, the more that comparison makes sense. You know, I know they play different positions and everything like that, but they're Thai cat football. They're, uh, they're hard nosed players. Um, they go to the line. Some people say, you know, they cross the line, but, uh, that's debatable. Um, but yeah, it just Thai cat football, you know, we love them the whole everyone else hates him. And that's the way we like it.
1: Yeah. It it's, he's one of those, just one of those guys that from the day he came to the team in that trade, that, that infamous trade that we'll never forget that brought Jeremiah Mazzoli and Simone Lawrence to Hamilton. He's kind of just been the epitome of what it means to be a tiger cat. Wouldn't it seem weird to see, I know he spent a year in Edmonton and, and played, uh, a fair bit because I, I believe he he got into the lineup. I think J.C. Sherratt was still there. I think he got hurt, and then Simone played a few games until Sherratt came back. So it's not like he's he's never worn another uniform, but wouldn't it just feel weird to see him wearing something other than the black and gold?
0: Oh, it'd be very weird. It'd be very, very strange. Um, you know, you never know in pro sports these days. You, you know, your favorite, you know, even Gretzky, they say mm-hmm. Gretzky got traded, you know. Anyone get traded, All yeah. that stuff. Yeah, anyone can get traded, and maybe, God forbid, he he puts on an Argonauts uniform one day. But, uh, you know, I just don't see it. I think he's going to be a Tiger Cat until he retires. And, uh, you know, like you said earlier, he'll be going up on that Wall of Fame.
1: Yeah, he just – it. I I just – I keep going back to – and I, I know I've already said it, but if they win a championship, he, he ascends to a level that very few reach in – in sports, in a certain city, like again, right. I'm not comparing resumes or anything like that. But when you think across sports, you think of you think of what Tom Brady means to to people in New England. You think of what Joe Montana means to people in San Francisco. You think of what uh, a guy like Doug Gilmore means to people in Toronto. Even though Doug Gilmore played for a bunch of teams, but in Toronto, you know Wendell Clark or a, a litany of Montreal Canadiens players. You know what I mean? Like you think of of what certain players mean. To certain cities and you think especially of of smaller cities you think of what ron lancaster and george reed mean to the people in saskatchewan simone Mm -hmm. lawrence has the uh, an opportunity to be one of those guys him i think him and brandon bank you brought up delvin bro i think jeremiah mazzoli could could get there as well because i think quarterbacks are always kind of held especially the ones that win a championship are always held in in that highest of regards but I, I, I look at Banks and, and Lawrence in particular, and I just the way that they embraced being Tiger Cats. You, you brought it up that, like, it is Tiger Cats football. And, and hard-nosed linebackers, it's one of those things that that we gravitate towards here in Hamilton. And I know that there's, you know, every every fan base has their players that they love, and, and, and I'm not taking that away. But in Hamilton, it feels like hard-nosed physical <clears> – <throat> pardon me – hard-nosed physical defense – means a little bit more than it means in other places. And Simone Lawrence, over the course of his seasons in Hamilton, has epitomized that more than almost anybody else.
0: Yeah, and and you look at a guy like Brandon Banks, he might not be a physical um, player, but he's tough. You know, Mm -hmm. he's a small, tough guy. And uh, Hamilton fans love that as well. And, um, you know, they're going to be put on such a pedestal if they do win a championship, because it's been so long since we won a championship, you know. If we would have won one, you know, right before they got here, like you know, eight years ago or whatever, you know, they'd still be put up there. But uh, a drought like this since 1999 to win, a finally bring back a championship to Hamilton, um, they'll be legends forever in that city.
1: And especially if they do it this year, if they do it with yes. the game in oh, Hamilton, oh,
0: yeah. yes, yes,
1: it's, the, it's... The, the the players on the team that win the next championship, especially if it's in 2021, they become immortals.
0: Uh, yeah, but they, I got this. I, I got a picture uh, sent from eBay. You know, a laminated picture of uh, Mosca holding up the Grey Cup in front of Iverwind Stadium with Henley yep. right beside him, and that yep. we could be a similar moment
1: with Banks uh, and Lawrence
0: next season. You know, with uh, Simone Lawrence or whoever holding up that Grey Cup. So, fingers crossed that it happened.
1: Think think about the possibility of recreating that picture. Not not obviously yeah. shot for shot, but similarly with Simone Lawrence and Brandon Banks
0: it'd be amazing yeah um, it would be amazing it would be up on my wall very, very quickly yep i would
1: find a way <laughs> to get a copy as well i would uh, i would put a, f- a few phone calls into some people over at the tycats hopefully we could get ourselves a couple copies uh we can't not talk about gary davis though uh bringing him back the uh as i have dubbed them and we, i think we got to come up with a better name because the four horsemen of the Apocalypse just doesn't roll off the tongue as much as i'd like it i was thinking sack attack but that just seems kind of mm. To, that team, I feel like every team would call their their
0: yeah a little generic line.
1: yeah yeah exactly a little generic but Davis is back coupled with Ted Laurent with Dylan Wynn with Julian Hauser the four guys that caused so much havoc last year all of them will be back in 2021 let's get going man I, I'm, I'm ready to watch these guys do their work
0: yeah Davis started 17 games for the Ticats in 2019 had a a career high 13 quarterback sacks and he was a division all-star. So one of the best in the league, my friend, and uh it um that defensive line just like the offensive line. I think um I think every position group is pretty stacked on this team, you know, depending on who we bring back, which we bring back. We brought back a lot of players already. Really
1: we have all-star. and do you remember just before Remember when they did the whole, like, we're going to have a signing every day from Christmas Eve to New Year's Eve. And you remember, like, a couple of weeks before that when everyone was like, why can't the Ticats sign anyone? They're not signing anyone. What's going on? Why Everyone else is signing people. We're not patient. Every year we go, and I think we said this on the last show, every single year we go through this. Every year people freak out because the second that players aren't signed and other teams sign players and the Ticats don't, people are losing their minds. And now you go look at the roster from a year ago and you go, okay, we're missing... Oh, that—that's just this. Okay, a little bit here. They've—they've they've signed almost all of their guys back. So, in the future, next year when we go through this again, let's see if we can practice a little patience, please.
0: Yes. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> at least we know.
1: We we and we are infinitely our, patient because we haven't won a great Cup in twenty plus years. But when it comes to signing players, man, we are not patient people.
0: No. And. We should put a little bit more faith in the guys in charge. You know, peop players want to play for this team, and it's it's obvious about, you know, with all the the players resigning with the Ticats. So I think uh, I think they have it under control, and we can you know take a deep breath and just uh, just wait a little bit. You know, just because other teams are signing players doesn't mean that we're not going to sign ours. So um, yeah, to get to get a guy like Ja'Garrett Davis back in that defensive line, I mean, they're they're going to cause havoc next year. They're, 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 they are a threat, and, and other teams better be, uh, be planning for, for their quarterback to be under attack like pretty much the whole game.
1: Do you know what re-signing Davis also means? It means it's guaranteed That's the Titans get back to the Grey Cup. Ja'Garrett Davis has spent four years in the CFL, and his season has ended in the Grey Cup all four of those years. So mm-hmm. you sign Ja'Garrett Davis, you get to the Grey Cup. That's just the way it works. So let, 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 let's completely skip the 2021 regular season and just get right to the Grey Cup because the no Titans are going to be there from the East.
0: Just hand it to us, and uh, hopefully we can get that one game. You know, get over the hump.
1: Yeah. Maybe maybe if we didn't play the regular season, everyone was healthy, then we wouldn't have to worry. Like Everyone would go into the Grey Cup healthy, and we, we would win. Yeah, That's what maybe. we need to do. But, That's We need yeah. to petition the league to allow us. because If you signed you Gary Davis, you get an automatic berth in the Grey Cup. We signed him. Automatic berth. Everyone's healthy. We're good to go. That's how it should work.
0: Every, but every other team has to play. Oh, they, they got to play
1: the full 18 and... games.
0: Oh, that seems fair. That seems fair. I like those odds.
1: All right, perfect. Uh, last player to talk about a little bit here: uh, Brett Wade, the Canadian defensive lineman. They re-signed him on Friday. Uh, not much to talk about. He's kind of he's kind of a depth guy. He's a he's a developmental guy, I believe. They he was an offensive lineman in university, switched to defensive line, but just another Canadian depth signing. A guy who's going to contribute most likely on special teams. These are these are guys that are important to get under contract as well. So it's it's nice to see a guy like him come back. And, of course, the Ticats signed eight of their nine 2020 draft picks. Obviously, all these guys are, are Canadian as well. The lone guy that didn't sign was the uh, kicker they signed from UCLA, J.J. Molson, because he is currently signed to the practice roster of the Green Bay Packers. So, obviously, he is not going to be available to sign a CFL contract. But the Ticats drafted—let's uh, let, go through the names here, Mike. Uh, Coulter Woodmanski, an offensive lineman from Guelph. Mason Bennett, a linebacker from the University of North Dakota. Those were their two first-round picks. They took a linebacker from Acadia by the name of Bailey Feltmate. Uh, the wide receiver from Waterloo, Tyler Turnowski, a Hamilton boy who I remember when he was drafted was super excited about coming to the Cats. Uh, Stavros Katsintonis, a DB from UBC. Joseph Benz, another offensive lineman, this time from McMaster. And then we end off with a DB at a UBC by the name of, I, I want to say it's Gene, but it could be Jean Ventnos. And uh, a long snapper from UBC, Tom Schnitzler, I believe is how you pronounce that. So... Again, uh, we talk about rookies. I don't know if we're going to see a ton out of these guys. I think Turnowski could have an opportunity to get some playing time because Hamilton's uh, Canadian receiving depth is not exactly a, a murderer's row. But they drafted a couple of offensive linemen. We also know that uh, their first-round pick from two years ago, Jesse Gibbon, is still waiting in the pipeline. I do kind of wonder... If this could mean that maybe a guy like Mike Filer isn't brought back because they have sort of these younger and therefore cheaper in-house replacements for him, I could see Gibbon playing center, quite frankly. But uh, I mean, I, we say this to to find out probably uh, forty minutes after we finished recording that Mike Filer's resigned too. But it's always good to have Canadian depth. It's always good to have Canadian depth on the offensive line. And it's nice to see the Ticats get some of these draft picks under contract so we can kind of see them play, uh, hopefully in training camp and in the preseason, and then see what they can do in the regular season. It's always exciting when, when new players, especially draft picks, come in, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the way that uh, this team drafts, it's, it's exciting because you know that these players can play, or a good portion of them can be can be starters eventually in this league. Um, you know, I, I, I'm i excited about the first-round pick. Um colter wood you know these guys have a does that just feel like an offensive lineman name wood yeah it does and you know these guys have a a good track record of drafting offensive linemen so um maybe you'll probably won't start this year but uh i could see him being a starter you know two years from now or something like that the guy you know 23 years old, uh, 28 starts at guard over four seasons for the University of Guelph. Six foot five, 325 pounds. He's a big dude. So, uh, an OUA first team All Star and second team All Canadian in 2019. So, th- the guy um, obviously had a good career in the OUA, and uh, I expect him to carry that over into the professionals.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be honest. We all know this. We, every year we talk about the draft. I always talk about how much I love Canadian receivers. And Canadian receivers who are also from the area, come on. Like that's mm-hmm. – you. They, whether whether fans, hardcore fans of CFL teams will admit it or not, you want to see local guys on your squad and you want to see them succeed. So when you have an opportunity to get a, a, a Hamilton kid and have him play for the Ticats, that's a guy that, that fans are going to root for, whether he's becomes the next Andy twos or whether he's just a solid special teams guy who sees spot duty. On, on offense. You know what I mean? Like, that's going to be a, a kid that everyone's going to be rooting for. So he's the one that I'm most excited to see. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, see, see just seeing all these players get drafted just gives me more and more hope that there's actually going to be CFL ball in 2021.
0: Yeah, and a little note on Ternowski is uh, he led the OUA and U-Sports in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns in 2018. So the guy the guy can play, oh, can play. obviously. And uh, yeah, well... We uh we haven't had like a really solid Canadian receiver since you mentioned Fantus, so it'd be nice to get a guy in there.
1: Yeah, someone who and we could talk about Mike Jones and that, that eight hundred yard season he had. Yeah, he
0: had a good season. He had a good season. I I, I don't want to. But brush he never
1: past him. he never really it wasn't he wasn't consistent enough.
0: No. He never reached the you know, the kind of the superstar level of uh, of, of Andy Fantus.
1: No, very few people do, but yeah, I, yeah, I get true, what you mean. True. All right, Mike, you wanted to play a little fun game. Uh, you wanted us to narrow down the remaining Cats free agents to the three we wanted to most see return. Originally, you wanted to do five, so I did five. I actually did six because I, I had one guy who I was, I was debating between six guys, and I was like, I can't not bring this guy up because I, I want to talk about him just a little bit because I feel like he hasn't been talked about enough, but then you, you cut it down to three. So, I mean, I'll give you my honorable mentions if you want. We can just touch on them very briefly. Yeah. Uh yep. it's uh DeVere Posey, Cario Brooks, and Larry Dean. So Posey was the guy that finished in my sixth spot. And he finished there because I don't think the Ty Cats need to bring in DeVere Posey. I didn't think they needed him last year either, but I kind of want to see like his his best game was in Toronto in the Grey Cup when he won Grey Cup MVP and Tommy Condell was on that coaching staff. I kind of want to see how Condell will use Posey in this offense, so I'm kind of hoping he returns. Uh, Cario Brooks was in my five spot when we initially did five. I just think he's kind of an underrated boundary halfback that people don't really talk about, but I think him and Delvin Bro provide just an awesome one, two punch on the boundary side. And Larry Dean barely missed my top three again, because as much as I like him, I don't know if the tie cats necessarily need to have a veteran stud middle linebacker. They got to the great cup The last time we saw these teams play with with Justin Tuggle, who who I like as a player, and we we talked very glowingly about when he was on the team a year ago. But there's kind of, you know, you have Simone there and he's kind of the straw that stirs that drink. You can almost and the Tight Guys have kind of been doing it for a lot of their a lot of the time over this sort of, like I said, the Tim Hortons era, Tim Hortons field era of the team, where they are kind of plugged and played a lot of a lot of different middle linebackers. So it's not like necessarily a position that you have to invest a lot of money in, but I would still like to see. Larry Dean back. So, those are my three honorable mentions. So, uh, why don't we get to our top three then, Mike? And why don't you kick us off with who your number three guy is?
0: My number three guy is Frankie Williams. Now, uh, you know, mine two. Really, okay. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> a, obviously, a really good DB. Um, but it's, it's the versatility that, uh, makes me want to bring him back. You know, he's a great returner for the Thai Cats and, uh, 2019 when was the last time we played 2019 so um yeah he's my (laughs) number three guy and he's just a dynamic player a very exciting player to watch and uh, a great player so uh he's my number three spot
1: yeah i put him there too because he it's not just what he provides in the return game where obviously he was the most outstanding special teams player the last time cfl teams took the field but he also starts at field corner like he provides starting defensive level play and exceptional special teams play that's a guy that uh, is worth his weight in gold quite frankly guys that can contribute in multiple ways like there's there's times where i i'm probably repeating myself from podcasts past where he would uh, knock down a pass on second down and then hustle back to to retrieve the punt on the very next play. So yeah, he slides into my number three guy. I think his versatility and what he can do both on special teams and defense makes him, uh, almost indispensable. It'd be, it'd be a real big shame if he wasn't brought back, uh, to the squad in 2021 where you got number two,
0: number two, I got uh, Mike Filer. Oh, okay. I, and you know, he might be, you know, he might be a guy that they set loose, um, maybe because of his age or, um, how much he wants in his contract or the guys that are coming up in the pipeline of the offensive line. But I just want him back. I, I, he's a longtime Tiger cat. I would love to see him back just to have the continuity on that offensive line, you know, bring all the guys back and uh, see what we can do this upcoming season. So Mike Filer is my number two.
1: I have Patrick levels at number two, and this is kind of similar to Devere Posey where when he's signed to kind of be the third member of that, linebacking crew at the sam spot i got goosebumps thinking holy smokes larry dean simone lawrence and patrick levels three all-star players at the second Mm. level of the defense yes please sign me up and unfortunately there was no season in 2020 so we didn't get a chance to see him play so i really want to see what he can do in mark washington's defense as that sam linebacker or maybe you kick him out out to uh to field half and and because obviously he can play out there as well so for those reasons, his versatility on defense, and just because we didn't get a chance to actually see what he could do with the Ticats. I want I, I put Patrick Levels as my number two. Mike, where yeah, that, do you go? That was with... a
0: guy that oh. uh, that was a guy that was really excited about when they signed in the offseason. Yeah. season. Um, but my number one pick, and we might have the same pick. I'm thinking is uh, our quarterback Jeremiah Mazzoli, and uh, I, know I almost a I of... almost
1: told you let's not include Mazzoli because he's number one.
0: Yeah, he, he just is. And I know there's a lot of debate among Tottenham fans. Um, who are you going with? Who's your guy? Are you a Dane Evans guy or a Jeremiah Mazzoli guy? Both. I, I'm, I'm both. I'm both. And, uh, you know, we see year after year after year in the CFL the quarterbacks get injured.
1: Yes, and, you need uh, to.
0: Yes. And, uh, well, we saw it last time we played. We, you know, Mazzoli went down. Dane Evans came in, did a spectacular job. Um, being that number one quarterback while Manzoli was out, but you know, just seeing him on that field, you know, they released that video a couple of days ago, and he looks like he's in he's in good shape. You know, he looks like his knee's good to go. I know that it's not, you know, he's just throwing footballs. He's not in a live game, and you can't really compare it. But uh, to me, he looks good. Um, he's our guy. He's the starting quarterback for now, and I want him back. I want the two. I want them both back. Uh, just to have that insurance. So to me, the number one guy is Jeremiah Mazzoli.
1: Yeah, it was, like I said, I almost texted you. and was like, let's do the top three and not include Mazzoli because he, he he's the last big piece. Like, I, as much as these other players, I, I like them all as players, the ones both you and I mentioned. Mazzoli's the last key piece for me that this team needs to bring back. And it's not that I don't have faith in, in Dane Evans. I do. He Guided us over 12 games in the regular season and a couple of playoff games to get to the Grey Cup. And I, yeah, he had a poor game in the Grey Cup, but name me a player on the Ticats that didn't have a poor game in mm. that Grey Cup game. It doesn't mean that he's he's not salvageable or, or worthy of having on the roster. I think Dane Evans proved that he could be a starting quarterback in this league. Jeremiah Mazzoli has as well. And I just feel like there's something a little extra. Maybe it'll allow Evans to develop a little further. Mazzoli's a veteran. I think he's hungry. He lost out on the opportunity to make that run with the Ticats. Now, do I think they would have won the Grey Cup in 2019 if Mazzoli had been healthy? I won't go that far. Winnipeg was a buzzsaw in that Grey Cup game. I don't know if the reincarnation of Bernie Filoni with, you know, Darren Flutie on one side and and, uh, Earl Winfield on the other could have stopped what Winnipeg was going to do in that game. But I, I would, I just think that you you brought it up you need you need to have quarterback insurance in this league we how many how many quarterbacks like McLeod Bethel Thompson led the league in passing touchdowns and I, he might have led in yards yep. the last time they played and he was benched at points during the season because so many quarterbacks got hurt so I, I there's just to me there was there was no one else that i would that i say the team needs to do it's hardest to re-sign, thank Jeremiah Mazzoli, and I know that there's there's divisiveness amongst the fan base about whether Mazzoli is good enough or not. I, it, to me, that's a stupid debate. It's I, I don't know why people don't like Jeremiah Mazzoli. I I really it, it, maybe it's just the you know the backup quarterback's always the most popular guy in town. I'm not sure, but I think he is the last key piece that this team needs to bring back. And he's obviously both of our number ones to, to bring back. I, I don't think that in doing this, there could be, I don't think if, if, unless you absolutely hate Mazzoli, if you were to do this list, he's your number one guy.
0: Yeah. Just, I mean, early on in his career, maybe I was a little bit of a doubter. And oh, uh, same
1: here. Remember that, remember that game? What was he, it was against Calgary that he started. It was just awful. Absolutely. Yeah, and
0: awful. I, I remember I said on this show that he's not a starting quarterback. Yeah. I remember saying those words. And uh, I'll eat them right now because he definitely is. He after that he you know he's he's played so well um, that he proved me wrong. So listen, I think that uh, Mazzoli comes back. He's gonna be he's gonna have even more of a chip on his shoulder. He's gonna even be more determined to uh, lead this team to a championship. And I just think it would be a shame if the Tiger Cats won a championship in the next couple of years and Jeremiah Mazzoli wasn't on the team leading the team. So uh, we gotta we gotta have him back.
1: Well we there was uh we got was it uh was it Sam that sent us the, the Twitter poll he put out about who do you want starting or who do you think will start? I can't remember what his, his exact wordings. If if I'm correct and that's who it was. Mazzoli or Evans. And I when I when I voted on it, because of course I'm gonna vote on it, I believe it was like overwhelmingly Mazzoli. Like it was not like you know, eighty yes. to twenty, but it was I think it was pretty seventy hefty. to thirty.
0: It was I'm seventy to thirty, it, so yeah.
1: okay, yeah, in Mazzoli's favor, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, because Tiger Sammy was, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a,
1: yeah, okay, I thought so. Um, the other thing too is, and I, I would like to t- talk about this for a little bit. Where is he going to go? Let's look at the quarterbacking situations around the league, and where's he? Where is he most likely to end up? And to me, there's if it's not Hamilton, there's two right. destinations, and it's Toronto and or Ottawa. He's not going to Montreal. They got Vernon Adams. Like even if you even if Mazzoli is an upgrade over Adams, which I do believe he is, Adams is younger. They're 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 like they signed him. They're they're in that's his corner. corner. That's who. That's their guy. There's no team in the West that's going after a quarterback. The Riders aren't. The Stamps definitely aren't. Edmonton's not. Winnipeg maybe, but they just did a restructured deal with Zach Caleros and gave him some some upfront money. So are you really going to wash that away to go get Jeremiah Mazzoli? And BC's got Mike Wright. Like, none of those teams are going to go and grab a uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli. So it leaves Toronto and Ottawa. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to see Jeremiah Mazzoli in an Ottawa Red Blacks uniform in a Paul Apolese offense. That terrifies me. That I, yeah. with, and they just re-signed Jalen Saunders, who's a guy Jeremiah Mazzoli is familiar with. Mm-hmm. If, if, the, if the Red Blacks get Mazzoli, I'm going to have to come on this show weekly and talk about how good the Red Blacks are, and I don't want to do that. No. They they to me, if the if Jeremiah Mazzoli leaves Hamilton and goes to Ottawa, they automatically become a contender to the Ticats. I really truly believe that.
0: Yeah. And Toronto's yeah, no. the
1: same thing. I think Toronto's a quarterback mm-hmm. away from being a pretty now, both those teams have quarterbacks, Arbuckle and Matt Nichols are there, but they're both in contract negotiations. So it's not like they're they're on rock solid footing. But those are the two most likely landing spots for Mazzoli, and I don't want to see our ex-franchise quarterback, who I still think can be a franchise quarterback. Going to one of our division rivals.
0: No, and if you're if you're Toronto or Ottawa, I mean, who would you rather have, Matt Nichols, Arbuckle, or Mazzoli? I it's, mean, it's no question. Yep, the, the obvious upgrade is Mazzoli, right? So that's the only thing that worries me is that I know that uh, all these quarterbacks are taking cuts in their in their pay, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Mazzoli goes to uh, free agency and Toronto throws uh, you know a sizable hunk of cash at him because um you know franchise quarterbacks are hard to come by in the CFL, and uh if they could get a guy like mazzoli i think they could be you know and obviously align him with uh talent around him um they could be contenders either in toronto or ottawa for many years and uh i don't want to line up against mazzoli for the next you know five or six years against a team in the east in in our division in the east division um it just makes things a lot harder. Now, if we had Dean Evans leading the team, I, I'd have full confidence in him, but I do not want to see Mazzoli in an Argonauts or a Red Blacks jersey.
1: No, no, it terrifies me. And the way I look at things is if if you look at at if, if you're, a, and again, we're going to play fantasy general manager here. If the other teams that you're competing against want you to do something, you probably shouldn't do it. And if the other teams you're competing against don't want you to do something, then you probably shouldn't do it. The Hamilton Tiger Cats do not want to see Jeremiah Mazzoli in a, a, like you said, in a Red Blacks or an Argos uniform. They don't. So what's the best way to avoid that? Sign the guy. Bring him back. And again, his options are somewhat limited because no team in the West is going to go after him, and I don't think Montreal's in on him either. But he could be the starting quarterback for one of those two teams, and I... You want to talk about coming back to haunt you? That will come back to haunt you. I'm I'm not one of those guys that... That falls – you know, how every time a guy leaves, Calvillo. it's like, oh, losing him, it's going to kill – he could be the next – now, I don't think he'll be the next Calvio because I don't think he's got 15 years left in his career. Yeah. But because of Calvio, we have this sort of like shell-shocked mentality of we lose a guy that was pretty good and he ends up becoming an all-time great. We're kind of hesitant now, and I think rightfully so, to let these guys kind of walk away because they're – and the thing is with Calvio, you knew the talent was there, but the production – and and the wins didn't match the talent, but you knew he was good. We know how good Mazzoli can be. We've seen him become the the division's MOP. We've seen him lead this team to the playoffs. We watched him in 2015 fill in for an injured Zach Caleros in an East Final after Caleros was lost the season, and out-duel Henry Burris and a, a miracle play by the Red Blacks got them to the Grey Cup, or the Ticats would have gone to that Grey Cup. You know what I mean? Like yeah. We know how good this guy can be, and the, the thought of seeing him in double blue or, or red and black just makes me sick to my stomach, quite frankly. But it, make, it makes those teams better. And if that's what it takes, bring him back because you don't want to make those teams better.
0: Yeah, it's a, da- it's a dangerous game to play with two starting quarterbacks, a younger guy behind him, because how long is Dan, Dan Evans going to wait to be the starter? You know what I mean? Like how many years does Mazzoli have left and how long is Dane Evans going to wait to be the starter of this Tiger Cats team? Probably not very long. I mean, how many more years does Dane have no, on they, his contract? Probably they, one. Prob-
1: they probably have. This is probably the last year that they will have both of them. If they re-sign yeah. Mazzoli, this is the year. We talked about this last year because remember Mazzoli signed the one-year contract extension because cause Evans had two years left on his deal. And we talked about it and said they're punting that decision to 2021. Well, 2020 didn't happen, so now they have this decision. If they re-sign Mazzoli again to a one-year deal, then they can punt the decision to 2022. But they will, at some point, have to make a decision on who they want going forward. They just don't have to make that decision now because they can have them both.
0: And this is the year that you sign them both because this is the year you throw all your eggs in the basket, right? You have the great cup at home. You go for it all. You bring them back for one more year, and then next year you make that decision, which is going to be a very hard decision depending on how— Mazzoli performs if he comes back and, and, you know, all that, all that stuff is going to have to be taken into consideration. But yeah, you're right. I think bring them both back this year, go for it this year and then make that hard decision in the offseason next, next year.
1: All right. That was an excellent discussion, Mike, but we got to move on to let's talk about some CFL news. And we talked about it before, before we started that I'm, I'm hesitant to talk about this because It's the letter that Commissioner Randy Ambrosi sent to fans. And I hate that we kill this guy on an almost, it seems like like every show we're talking about something this guy has said where we just got to rip into him, and I don't want to do that anymore. But he keeps doing stuff that makes it impossible not to go, what are you doing? And this letter to fans that he sent that, I mean, was nice. And I and I read it and I was like, okay, like it it it's got me feeling okay. But there's not a lot of substance to it. And I saw like the online chatter back and forth where people or there were people who were, like just completely hammering about it, and then there are others who are like, well, give them the benefit of the doubt and all this other stuff. I just look at it and it feels just typical of what's happened during his commissionership, where he makes these public proclamations, but they're really short on anything substantive and really large on like hopes and dreams. And, and I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic. I, I want to be optimistic. I want to think come May training camps are going to be underway. June, we're going to get football. We're going to be back in the stands and all that good stuff. I want to think that, and I'm going to continue to think that, but this letter didn't, didn't assuage my concerns that I don't know if they know what they're doing last year. It was, we have to, we have to get this money from the federal government. If we do that, we can play games in 2020. And when that didn't happen, they didn't know what to do. And we didn't get a season based on reading this. It feels like everything is on vaccinations for the virus. And if the vaccinations happen, we'll be good to go. If not eh, shrug emoji, you know what I mean? Mm. And I just feel like even if you can't give anything concrete, like saying if 50% of the country is vaccinated, we'll be playing games at the start when we said we would. But if that's not the case, then here's X, Y, and Z sort of contingency plans. They didn't have a contingency plan last year and we didn't get CFL football. It doesn't feel like they have a contingency plan this year and that concerns me because if they don't have one, does that mean we're not getting CFL football in 2021? Because honestly, I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but if they go two years without CFL football, I think we're done. I think, mm-hmm. we're, I think, we're, I think we're done. I think we close up shop. Now, the hopefulness in me is you see all these players resigning, and you see all these players si- and you see rookies signing. And that is, is, that's the sign of optimism for me going, okay, they at least think that something's going to happen in 2021 where they're going to be able to play whether it's a full season, a shortened season, a move season, whatever it may be. But this letter and the one line, I guess I just got to say near the end of it, he says, he's talking about, you know, getting back to the gray cup and all this other sorts of stuff. And he says, some positivity and optimism will help us get there sooner and stronger. And that's just bull. There's no, there's no positivity that will make this virus go away. There's no optimism that'll just make this thing disappear overnight. It's just, it's more flowery, flower, pardon me, I'm tripping over my tongue now. It's more flowery language from the commissioner that just kind of means nothing. And I'm just tired of this and I'm tired of us talking about it. And I'm tired of us hitting this guy hard, but man, this really bugged me.
0: Yeah. The thing that bugs me the most is the, you know, political speak, you know, it's just like a lot of words that mean nothing. You know, um, I'm, I'm with you. Like I, <clears throat> I don't like hammering him a lot because I think that it's a bigger issue. I don't think it's all his fault, which some people seem to think, you know, he works for the owners. He does their bidding. And I've said this a million times on this show and people are probably like, oh, shut the hell up, Mike. You're just a apologist for the commissioner. Um, but yeah, he does annoy me with these like not answering, you know, questions, giving us, you know, a solid plan if if we can't play the first nine games in front of fans we're going to play in a bubble or we're going to play um, at home in front of no fans. You know, um, the owners are going to have to take a little bit of a loss um, to get this thing going probably because the vaccinations are rolling out pretty slow in this country. So it doesn't look like it's going to be ready by the time, you know, May or June comes around. So if they're, you know, just if they said uh, we're not going to be able to play until September with fans or something like that, some kind of plan, not all this, uh, you know, speaking out of both sides of your mouth, political talk. I just can't stand that stuff. And, uh, you know, it was nice to get something out of the CFL. And the line that I do like is, um, the line that said, we are determined to play next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not a guarantee or anything. That's no, just, they were determined uh, to play hopeful. in
1: 2020 and it didn't
0: happen. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, I don't like the comparison to other leagues, um, you know they played. Why didn't the CFL play? There's mm-hmm. a lot of different aspects. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they just need to they need to be hammering a plan out right now. They need to figure out something. Because, like you said, if this league goes two years without being on the field, um, you know, out of sight, out of mind, even for the CFL fans. If you miss another year, I'm with you, man. I think this league's going to shut down and uh, not be back. And if it does uh come back it won't be for many many years because there's not going to be investors in this league. So um they just need to figure it out. They have to play next season.
1: I'm I'm with you on not comparing to other leagues and yet I'm still going to do that slightly because I'm going to talk about another Canadian league. This and I'm not going to talk about how the CPL played a season last year because it's soccer, there's fewer players, they did a tournament style shortened season in PEI. That's nothing the CFL couldn't have done that and I'm not I'm not hammering the CFL for not doing something like that. It's a lot easier to do that with soccer over a seven-week period than it would have been to do with football teams that are twice as large over a, a 12-week period, especially for the amount of money you're getting paid in the CFL. But this this letter from Ambrosi came a couple days after the commissioner of the CPL sent out his letter saying, we are determined to start our season, play a full 28-game schedule starting in May, Victoria Day weekend. Like there was, again, whether that comes to fruition or not, to me, isn't the point? This is this is our stated goal, and we will keep you updated on what we're going to be doing going forward. If we can't meet this goal, that is what we should be hearing. I'm not saying the CFL has to come out and say this is Plan A, Plan B, Plan C, blah 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 blah, blah and have every duck in a row. But at least come out and say we are committed to starting the season on time based on these factors. If these factors don't exist, we will reevaluate and we will come back to you in in due time with a, a second plan. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's the difference in getting something substantive versus getting something not substantive to me is the difference in what in these two things and I'm a fan of both leagues and 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 it's like one gave me like oh my okay we might be back in the stands at Tim Hortons field in late May to watch soccer I have no idea what the heck is going on with the CFL and that to me is is the problem that I'm having
0: yeah there's just way too much secrecy uh in this league you know whether it comes to player injuries or or, you know, plans for future seasons. Um, we need more transparency transparency in this league. And yep. uh, it's just, it, we've been screaming this from the rooftops for years now, it seems. Um, this Just the secretive nature of the CFL, um, you know, it just needs to be better in, in that. So, um, this letter doesn't really say anything, and, it, and it's kind of a disappointment.
1: Let's talk about one last thing, piece of CFL news, and then we'll get out of here. One-year deals has been sort of uh, a hot topic this offseason. I I believe it was Dave Naylor that wrote a piece for TSN talking about Mm
0: -hmm.
1: why one-year deals are no good and and why certain, like, basically saying fans, players, teams all hate them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And do players really hate them?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I mean, in the last CBA, that's what they—that was one of the they, things they, they, they wanted.
1: They, that's exactly, it's one of the things they wanted. And I, what is the incentive for a player to sign a multi-year deal? Because there's no guaranteed money in the CFL over the lifetime of a contract. There's guaranteed—you get upfront money, you get roster bonuses due every year. But it's not like in the NFL, or, and I'll we'll, we'll use the NFL as an example because it's football and there's no guaranteed contracts in the NFL either, unless you're Kirk Cousins for some reason, who keeps getting guaranteed deals from the Vikings, and I don't really understand why, but that's neither here nor there. It's, there's guaranteed money in the contract over the, due over the lifetime of the deal that ties teams to players for a certain amount of time. I'll use Jimmy Garoppolo as an example, quarterback for the 49ers, 49ers are my NFL team. For the at the beginning of his contract, he was oh I think his, his average annual salary was like twenty seven and a half million dollars a year. and but this upcoming year he's due I think I think he's due that twenty seven twenty eight million, 27 twenty eight million. But if they cut him, it's only two point5 million on the cap because they front loaded his deal with all his guaranteed money. So the first three years of his deal, the guaranteed money was something like $60 million. So you knew, okay, for these three years, he's definitely going to be there because they're not going to cut him and then eat $60 million worth of dead cap space. That doesn't exist in the CFL. The CFL can sign a guy, and I'll I'll use Zach Evans as an example because he signed a four-year contract extension with the Riders a couple years ago and was cut this this past winter. Pardon me. And they can do that because there's no... Salary cap ramifications for the team, even though his his deal, quote unquote, had guaranteed money, it was those bonuses, those like roster bonuses and upfront money that he already got, that doesn't have any negative ramifications on future cap space. If teams and fans and media want CFL players to sign two, three, four year contract extensions, then what needs to happen is you need to start holding the teams' feet to the fire and saying that they need to start doing their contracts in a different way. If you had, for say, let's say Brandon Banks. Brandon Banks wants to sign a contract worth, let's use $200,000 a year as an example. So he wants to, he, offer him a three-year deal worth $600,000. Let's say 150 of that is guaranteed at this time of signing, do $50,000 each year at the start of the, the new league year. That means that the cats are on the hook for $150,000 no matter what they do with Brandon Banks. If the, After the first year of the deal, they decide to cut him. They're still on the hook for the remainder of that guaranteed money. That is a way that you will have players more willing to sign because they're like, oh, we got this. We're going to get this money. It's guaranteed to us. The teams already have it negatively affecting their cap if they cut us. And you hold teams accountable because they can't just keep asking players to restructure or cutting guys after one subpar season. Or You know what I mean? Like you have a mechanism in place where the guys still get paid, but the teams also have to show a little bit more loyalty in keeping the guys around because if, like I will use the bank's example, if they cut him after the first season, they still have $50,000 in dead money on their cap the next two years. Not a lot, but that could be the difference between signing, getting someone re-signed, or being able to offer a little bit more to an impending free agent. You know what I mean? Like it it, it sure. forces the teams to commit to the player as much as it forces the player to commit to the teams because to me the problem's not players. You don't think Brandon Banks... Brandon Banks doesn't want to play anywhere else but Hamilton. Simone Lawrence doesn't want to play anywhere else but Hamilton. But they know that if they sign a four-year contract extension, it's not worth the paper it's written on because after one year they can be asked to renegotiate, take a pay cut, and there's no guaranteed money in it to make them go, well, no, I'm not going to do that. You have to pay me this because... If you cut me, there's $200,000 of dead cap space. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing to hold the teams accountable to these deals. So why should players think that it's worthwhile to sign for more than one year?
0: Yeah, it doesn't make sense. There needs to be more accountability from the teams. Um, and, you know, the, the one-year deals, I know that everyone doesn't like it. I don't I don't really mind it. Um, it kind of makes it exciting in the offseason to see all these free agents and, and all that. And, and most of these guys re-sign with the team anyway. Um you know, if you have a really talented guy that that made some noise and you know, he might go down south, but you know, m- most of the time the the guys that go down south come back and they resign with with their CFL team. So yeah. I know it seems like there's like a lot of player movement because um there's a lot of free agents, but it's not really that way. Um you know, you're not a lot of the times you're not going to get that huge amount of money. That's going to make you want to leave a team. Usually they're, you know, the the offers are fairly close and uh, usually they'll opt to stay with their team if they're comfortable there. So there's not as much player movement as people think there is. And no, it doesn't really bother me as much.
1: And the guys that move, when you think of the big, like we, and we all remember like people, our age, remember like the mid nineties where quarterback would change teams and, they bounced around, and everyone loved it. Everyone loved mm-hmm. Doug Flutie going from Calgary to Toronto. Well, I mean, Ticats fans didn't love it, but, oh, Flutie went from Calgary to Toronto. Danny McManus went from BC to Edmonton to Hamilton. And it's like, you you see it in the end. You see free agency is a big thing. So, yeah, it's it sucks when you see, you know, half of the league being available for free agency, but you want to see big-name players available to move, and and it gets people excited in other sports. But yet in the CFL, for some reason, we want everyone to always stay no one to ever move, and it's—I don't. Know, the it one seems you're just, to always come
0: back to the player. I mean, the fans buying jerseys. That's what it always seems to come back to. You know, I don't want to buy a jersey of a, of a player that's just going to leave in a year. But, you know, I I understand that. I understand that. Yeah, but, I don't uh, want to
1: pop down two hundred dollars on something that's useless in a year either. But that's being yeah. smarter with your money.
0: Like, mm-hmm. and you got to be be smart with the the players you pick, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, No one can foresee what player is going to be with the team for a year or two years, but you can guess that uh, a guy like, you know, Brandon Banks or, you know, one of the guys that they're going to bring back year after year is going to be with the team for several years, and that jersey will be good for several years. So I know it's a risk, and I know I shouldn't be saying anything because it's other people's money. It's not my money. But I took a risk in in getting a Dylan Wynn jersey. Um, Well, I didn't take the risk, Uh, it was a gift. But (laughs) But I understand. (laughs) Dude, I yeah, have, I, think I he's have to be with the team for, for a couple more years. And I think it'll be worth having his Jersey.
1: I have a Rubbermaid bin filled, filled with players that don't play for the Cats anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't really wear jerseys as much anymore. Cause I, I don't find them that the, the, the stitched ones I always found kind of uncomfortable. Like they weren't, it's not as nice. Like the, the screened ones that you could get. Um, but anyway, that's just me being a Jersey nerd. Uh, so I, I kind of, like, yeah, I sunk hundreds and hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars, into jerseys for players that were here for... Like, I have two Arland Bruce jerseys. Like, one's... Granted, one's autographed in, and in a frame, but I, after I got that done, I was like, well, I need to get... He, he changed his number. I need to get the new one. And he was here for, what, a year and a half? Less than, He was yeah. here for less than two. So he, he got traded here in '09 and was gone by the middle of 2011. So he played maybe, I don't know, 30 games for the Thai Cats, But that was my choice. So... Yeah, I understand the jersey argument, but I don't know. It, it, to me, it's not the players' fault that these guys are signing one. They want one-year contracts because they want the freedom to be able to negotiate every year. Yeah. And unless the teams are forced to give something concrete in return, and but basically it, the, the thing I outlined, if, if there's not any financial ramifications, then you're going to see one-year deals signed by players all the time. Yeah. That, that, that's it, just the way it's going to be, and if you don't like it, there's not really much you can do about it.
0: Right. Yeah, they, I don't think it's going to be changing uh, anytime soon in the next CBA. I don't even know when the next CBA is coming up, but um, I'm pretty sure that, uh, like you said, unless teams change the way they uh, pay players with uh, guaranteed money, uh, we're going to be dealing with this for the next, you know, 20, 30 years mm-hmm. in the CFL.
1: And and the thing is, too, I'm with you. I don't really care about one-year deals because, yeah, there's guys – I said on this show the last time we talked, I said, Chris Van Zyl is either going to be a Ticat or an Argo. And I was, and I didn't know, but like, you can tell. Simone Lawrence to me was not going to another team. Brandon Banks was not going to another team. Like, you, you're you right. You know who is going to stay and who's not. And the thing is, too, like, you can talk about, oh, one year deals and guys moving. Was there a single Ticat fan that wasn't happy when J. Davis chose to sign with the tie Cats in 2019? Like, if, if, and yeah, he played three years in Calgary, and then and that's and then he moved on. To me, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a guy using his, being able to parlay his talents into a bigger contract with another team. Like yeah, I get we, it, people, we don't want
0: to go like to a time before free agency where players had no choice. You know, they had to stay with their team or you know or not play. So um, yeah, what's the other yeah, one Yeah, it's 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 going to be a factor in the CFL for for many, many years. So we we might as well get used to it, you know?
1: <laughs> and we also have to recognize that the CFL is not the final destination for pretty much all of these guys. And even Canadian kids. Like, let's be honest. If you have the opportunity to take a shot at the NFL and make life-changing money, you you can't hold that against anybody. So, yeah, the right. CFL is awesome. We love the CFL. We're not sitting here on a Saturday afternoon recording a, a podcast about the CFL because we don't like the league, but we're also realistic in knowing that the CFL is the second option for every single one of these players. And that includes yep. the guys that never have an – will ever, ever, ever have an opportunity to play in the NFL. But if they had that opportunity arise, they would jump at it. And I don't yep. blame that on anybody, and I don't think you can anyone should – blame anyone for wanting to do that. So you also have to recognize that it's, you're not going to get a 10 year contract. Like you saw Patrick Mahomes sign with the Kansas city chiefs, because it's not like Patrick Mahomes is going to have, there's no league to step up to for the guys in the NFL. There is a league to step up to for guys in the CFL. And that's why you have shorter term deals because guys want to maximize their youth and the window that they have to possibly get down to the NFL and make life changing money. So yeah, you want to see guys sign for, for longer term and you want to see guys stick around. But, I mean, if you bought a Simone Lawrence jersey in 2014, that's a pretty good investment. He's been here ever since.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like we said earlier, hopefully a, a lifetime Tiger Cat. And um, Yeah, like like you said, the Canadian players, um, you know, I'm sure are happy to play in the CFL, but if they get that opportunity, they're going to – and especially the American players. I mean, let's, Americans want to live in America. I know that the, you know – United States is a bit of a mess the last couple of years and all that stuff, but that doesn't,
1: it's still home. It's still their home.
0: Yeah. People I might say it on Twitter that they're moving to Canada, but they're not coming to Canada in mass. <laughs> like Americans don't want to live in Canada and maybe some, and you know, there's this argument that players from America come to Canada and after they're here for a couple of years, they might want to stay. Mm-hmm. But, but for the most part, you know, Americans want to live it. I'm not breaking any like, People know this already, but Americans want to play in America if they can. And uh, the, the CFL is obviously a second option.
1: Well, people want to be comfortable. People want to – like I've, I've lived in Hamilton and Toronto. Basically, my, that's – in my 39 years on this planet, those are the two – yeah, I lived in Scarborough for a little bit as a kid, but I basically lived in Hamilton and Toronto, and I spent the vast majority of that in Hamilton. I, I don't have any desire to live anywhere else. I'm comfortable here. I I'm used to the surroundings. I like where I am. I, I like what I'm able to do. You know what I mean? Like, and that's no different for anybody else. Like people, like, I know you've moved uh, numerous times. So you're, you're kind of on the opposite end of this spectrum, but you've kind of made a home in Edmonton right now. So Mm -hmm. that's where you're comfortable. That's where you want to be. And that's probably where you're going to spend the rest of, if not the vast majority of the rest of your life, because you find a place you call it home and you don't really want to leave. And i these American players that wanna play in the states, it's because they wanna be where they're comfortable, and I don't mm-hmm. fault them for that,
0: no me neither, me neither and they the obviously the the money comes into into the equation as well,
1: yeah, of course that's always, that's always the deciding factor if I can make more money doing something
0: mm-hmm.
1: over across the street than where I'm making it now, I'm gonna make the jump, so I don't know it's uh the one year deals I don't think are going anywhere anytime soon. But if they are, I think it's to me. It's not on the players; it's on the teams. If the teams mm-hmm. want this done, then then they know what they need to do. And until that happens, this uh, this cycle of oh, I hate one year deals. We're gonna we're gonna keep going through it. It's one year deals. tie Cats not signing players quickly enough. Expansion to mm-hmm. the Atlantic provinces are the three things we're gonna be talking about probably for the rest of our lives. Yeah,
0: yeah, three <laughs> things that I don't really necessarily <sighs> that, want to talk that about. that
1: exasperated sigh was just. Yeah. Oh, he's right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hopefully, we'll be talking about, uh, you know, a CFL team in, uh, let's not get into it. <laughs> we,
1: we've, we've already spent over an hour talking about this stuff. We won't get into the expansion talk right now. But uh, that was Podski Movie for this week. I'm Josh Smith.
0: And I'm Mike Graham, eat them raw.
1: Eat em raw.